0: interrupt our program to bring you this important message
1: Good morning. Today is Tuesday, July 11th. We didn't record last week because of 4th of July but we are back with a vengeance today. And my name is Scott Shara, I'm Grace's dad. And one of the reasons I believe God allowed Grace's premature death was to save others and to wake others up. And the first person he had to wake up was me. And the process of waking up I call deprogramming and hence the name of the podcast, Deprogramming with Grace's Dad. I think I'm gonna be waking up and being deprogrammed the rest of my life, but that's, a, that's another story. Today we have quite a guest, and she is, uh, I think, as woke up as anybody can be. Before I introduce her, though, I'm going to go through a couple of pictures and a text from Grace. And my motivation of going through these today, a lot of times I use pictures of Grace to set up the guest, and I'm doing it this time. So Grace uh, was a picture of love, and she was a picture of God's love. And so I want to share these pictures. So, Don, can you bring these up in succession the way I I had them listed? And I'll comment on each one. Oh, I got to get there. Sorry, Don. All right. This is Grace with our first trip. We went to the island of Oahu, and this is with Jessica and Travis. And Grace was two years old here. All right, the next one. This was our family picture for Grace's 11th birthday. So we were at a restaurant sitting outside in the waiting area. And this is the whole family. So Jessica's two, two boys, our grandsons, Grace, Travis, Adam, our son-in-law, and, of course, me and Cindy. You notice my hair color back then. All right, we'll go to the next one, Don. This is when Caleb was one day old. So Jessica and Grace in the hospital room with Caleb, our first grandson at one year old, or one day old, I should say. So He was born the day after my birthday. Uh, I just just love that picture. All right, next one. This is Grace with big brother, Travis. For those of you who are not familiar with Travis, Travis lost his life to suicide in 2018. And Grace, one of the, the most special days of my life with Grace was the day after Travis committed suicide. I was riding in my truck with Grace, and I said to Grace, you know God's got this, don't you, Grace? And she said, I know, Dad. And she said it in such an encouraging way that she actually did know, but I didn't know. And she encouraged me and she encouraged our family after Travis died, uh, and uh, it, was, it was quite a blessing and she had her her wish for her last two birthdays is that she could get a ticket to heaven to visit Travis. All right, the last one done is the text message from Grace. All right, so I wanna you look at the bottom. This is how she would encourage us. Uh, so this was a text message to Jessica and she uh, clipped on a YouTube song and said, "This the song will help you go through the loss of our brother. I love you, my big sister, Jessica. And of course, Grace was the emoji queen, as you can can see by this text. So, with that being said, thank you, Don, for for bringing those up. I want to uh, bring in Dr. Lee Merritt. Can you bring her in, please? Good morning.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really oh. nice photos, by the way.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. So you wonder what's going on? Why would I say that? Uh, Grace's love is an introduction to Dr. Merritt because there's there's a different way to communicate love. And so Grace did it in the gift that God gave her, and Dr. Merritt is doing it in the gift that God gave her, which is by communicating love through telling the truth. And I have never seen one person less her that has done that in such an eloquent way. And after she had me on her show, we talked for about, well, maybe 45 minutes afterward off camera and I couldn't believe, I thought, oh man, this, this lady is a wealth of knowledge. And she graciously agreed to come on this show so that she could uh, encourage everybody with the truth. I rarely read somebody's bio uh, I let them introduce themselves, but she wrote a very succinct bio, and I'm going to read this because it is it is so good. I want to read it directly. Dr. Lee Merritt <clears throat> Merritt has been in the medicine has been in medicine since age four when she carried her father's black bag along with along the back roads of Iowa. If I remember right, you also ran for governor in Iowa. Is that correct?
2: I did. I was yes. a Libertarian candidate.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> She graduated from the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry in 1980 and was awarded lifetime membership in the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. She completed an orthopedic residency and served 10 years as a physician and surgeon in the United States Navy before returning to Rochester to complete a fellowship in spinal surgery. She is the past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons and held the congressional appointment to the Navy Research Advisory Committee. During the 40 years in medicine, Dr. Merritt has been an advocate for private practice, patient-centered medicine, and is now working to wrest her profession and patients from the clutches of the, medica- the medical death cult. Wow. Now that is a resume. So the title today, I've titled this, Dr. Lee Merritt Debunks COVID Cancer, the UK crane war, and more. So let's jump in. Uh, I want to uh, have this podcast be about exposing the real agenda for those who are paying attention. And COVID did that. So I want to talk about the three lanes of COVID first. And you know, before we, we talk about the lanes, so the lanes I want to talk about are the virus lane, the jab lane, the hospital lane. But before we do that, do you see COVID as a complete PSYOP?
2: Well, not in the sense that it was not enough. I mean, the the idea of a psyop kind of suggests that it had no real human uh, physical impact. It was all is all in our minds, and I don't believe that's true. I think there was something that started it. Now we can, you know, the the real problem, as physicians and as scientists, we're used to having, you know, or we thought we had literature we could rely on and data and you know we did real scientific inquiry this is more like a murder mystery you know i feel more like angela lansbury murder she wrote you know who did what to whom and what do we suspect happened because these guys are not going to tell us the the uber lords or whatever we want to decide they are you know everyone always says well who are they well that's a good question that's a i'm actually going to be speaking on that at red pill this year and this next month in august it's in iowa in des moines i think it's the 13th 12th the 13th or something like that but um yeah i mean the question they're not going to tell us what's in it and and what people i think we need to realize is it's not chemistry isn't like like star trek where you can just take something and you know you find a little scrap of material and you stick it in a machine and it tells you what it is you have to know kind of what you're looking for and our problem is that we we didn't have that heads up so when this whole but but i would say the whole thing started out with something and something happened uh, that started, I would say it started in Wuhan. That doesn't mean they developed it, but it means that the first victims were in Wuhan. I, and, and if I were going to put my money on it, I mean, now that we're looking back on it, rather than go through the whole history looking back on it, I really think what they put out was a toxin, a toxic agent that married up with with wavelength that caused this sudden illness to appear. Now, the reason I say that for a number of reasons which we can't go into completely here, but but if this had been an airborne virus, just people should think about this. If this had been what they told us it was, this yes. wouldn't have stopped in Wuhan. You know, China's a big country, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, one point whatever billion people in China and lots of big cities. And and so they didn't shut off air traffic and yet it really just took down Wuhan. We didn't see it going to Yanzhou, Wanzhou, you know, Shanghai, Beijing. It just didn't. So there's something wrong with the story. And Karen Kingston has come up with a lot of background on this. And 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 I I think also working backwards, I'd like to work backwards from the the, the beliefs that these people have that I believe are giving it to us. I mean, this is kind of the old Babylonian word magic. And, and, and part of this is the idea, which may take a little people time to wrap their head around why you work backwards from there. But when you get into this, you realize we've been lied to at every step of the way, but they do it in very stylized fashion. I mean there's predictive programming in Hollywood and movies. I mean this has been going on for years. The the Olympic Games showed us in 2012 what they were going to do. They had this whole display that was kind of covid and the the blue spiky balls that they claimed were the virus and all this stuff. So they 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 were showed us and they use the term and, and they use this proprietary language. They have a they have a belief that if they do things to you and they tell you ahead of time what they're going to do to you. Then they don't have any real karmic debt and they can speak in a weird language. And that weird language, it turns out in this case, it's just Latin. You know, it used to be you had to study Latin to go to medical school, but not for the very long time. But in Latin virus doesn't mean a germ. It means toxin or poison. And I believe that the, when we really work through this, we're gonna find that this was some kind of hydrophilic, like this, what Karen Kingston calls, calls, based on the patents, genetically engineered hydrogel. Charles Lieber at Harvard, there's lots of evidence. This is the Angela Lansbury part where you put all the pieces together, but you can follow the train here, the funding, the research, the people, and it comes down to this stuff that, can, that, that, that causes a COVID-like illness. And it and it does it because it gets married up with a wavelength that activates it. And in Co- in in Wuhan on October, I think it was October 19th. It was the same day that Event 201 started in the war games. The the, the uh, not war games, but the military Olympic Games started in, in Wuhan. On that date, which I believe was the 19th of October 2019, was the first victim. And it was the day that they turned on the 5G. So. Oh boy. Yeah. See, they can they can they can spread a toxin. The most common, the most the, the the thing that fits all the the murder mystery clues here is a toxin that can be turned on and off at their will. And they turned it on, and they let it run a while, and they they spread some stuff around in Wuhan. They that didn't bother anybody, but they got a lot of people got it into them. They touched it. They touched surfaces. They absorbed it. It's a lipophilic compound. They get it into them. Then they turn on the thing when they want to start this. They turn on the wavelength, which was October 19th, and they let it run for a while. And it's very colorful and it gets a lot of people afraid. Then they do it in, in uh, northern Italy, in uh, that area of Lombardy, and then they do it in New York City. But they don't need it much after that because now they've got winter coming on and all they have to do is re- reprogram flu season as COVID. And that's what they did. If you notice, flu went to zero, COVID went up. And that's and that's then when that's when the PSYOP takes over after this initial poisoning. The PSYOP was miscounting diseases, everything was COVID, the false testing. Uh, that's what happened. So that was COVID. This
1: is so Grace, when somebody would do this, you just it, she would go. You know, yeah. You just, well, you just, I feel that too. Well, you just did a fantastic job blowing my mind, but now I got to compose myself <laughs> for the next question. So you mentioned you mentioned uh, Karen Kingston. So Don, can you bring up Karen Kingston's Substack from last month? And what she's bringing up here, this will be in the show notes. She's bringing up we we've got to connect the dots with words. And so she is, you know, we're calling this thing a virus and you just laid out the reality that it's not a virus, but in the, in the occultic language, they can get away with that. And she was bringing up in this case that we got to stop calling the jab a vaccine because we're, we're doing something um, by pro, We're programming people to think that, well, now we could, if this was just a bad vaccine, we can fix it. Well, this thing was never a vaccine. I mean, I've studied the Brooke Jackson case. Uh, anyway, I'd like your comment about the, I'm going to say the jab. So what is your comment about this idea of we've got to be very careful as to how we, we frame this so that people are not misled going forward?
2: Well, I, you know, Karen's a friend of mine and I completely agree with her with what she's saying about that. We have to change our language because once you realize that viruses don't exist like we think they do and you think about how we get around in the world, you realize that language has been misused in order for us to think about the world differently. And of course, we've been conditioned to believe in vaccines. Oh, they make things better. They help you prevent you from having disease. There's actually no evidence of that. Zero. And, and, um, you know, but I will tell you that in my whole 40 some years in medicine now, that they've been pushing to have a universal vaccine for a very, very long time. And yet, when I was a freshman medical student in Rochester in 1976, I remember my professor of pediatrics at the basic science level lecture said, Oh, you know, it wasn't these childhood vaccines that made a difference. It was, it was plumbers. And I thought that was such a funny line that I remembered it, but he's, he, his, his point in 1976 was he was an older guy and he thought, he thought this vaccine nonsense was going to go away because clearly it doesn't work. That's what his point was. And he didn't really say it that way, but he made it because he thought we all knew that. What he said was that it was plumbers because it was really sanitation and better nutrition. And if you really look at the data, you can see that childhood diseases were coming way down. The the death from childhood disease, you got them, but you didn't die from them. It came down to almost zero, less than 200 cases a year, for example, of measles in, in the United States. And yet they vaccinated the whole country for less than 200 cases a year, producing all the problems that we've subsequently seen. So are many of the problems we've seen. So I I think that um, we've been led to believe that vaccines, there's some things, you know you're being ruled by the people and things you cannot criticize there are several things in life you can't criticize. And in my career in medicine, it became after I got out of medical school, and of course I was an orthopedic spine surgeon. This wasn't really my field. At one time I was thought to be, you know, actually intelligent, and well-educated. Now I'm, now I'm just a, con- a weird, you know, crazy person that doesn't understand anything as a conspiracy theorist. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, they, they used to tell us all this stuff, honestly, I think. And then it became that when vaccines became profitable, after the Gulf war this is where this thing's kind of my my observation just watching it as a military doctor at the time and then going out in private practice and being on this congressional committee where i kind of looked at bioweapons i'm just going to say that it was the turning point was when vaccines became profitable with adjuvants and adjuvants are just these chemicals they add so they don't so that they can they can chemically stimulate the immune system they don't have to do it with the actual bur- burned out pathogen right the the germ so it's more, it's, it became profitable to make vaccines then. And suddenly then everybody had to have a vaccine for everything. This is how we went from having two vaccines to 75 in our kids going to kindergarten, 75 vaccines to get into, to get, by the time you leave school, you have 75 vaccines. It's insane. And, and so, um, they they've conditioned us. And that's what this was about. They, they conditioned us for a number of years and they tried to get people scared about certain diseases. They tried to, the, the flu in the past, like H1N1, they tried to get, they just couldn't get enough people afraid, AIDS. They tried to get people afraid enough with AIDS to take a vaccine. No, that wouldn't work. So then pretty soon they had to come up with something else. Then they started people getting used to taking the flu shot before this all came out. 67% of Americans took the flu shot. Now, Interestingly, when I looked at this for the nurses years ago about mandating a flu vaccine, and they came to me and they said, "You know, what do you think about this mandated flu vaccine? I said, listen, it is never moral or ethical to ever mandate a medical treatment, period. But I'll look into it and see, because I don't really know much about it. I can tell you, I don't take the flu vaccine, but okay, I'll look into it. And what I discovered, which doesn't take a rocket scientist figure out, while we were 67% of our people were taking the flu vaccine every year, Estonia only five percent were taking it, and yet we had the same death rate from flu. So yeah. that right there, where are the smart guys in the universities thinking about this? Right, there's something that was different. only that was only one statistic you looked at. So you right. saw and that's you just saw one, it right away. great But it's a pretty you know, it's a pretty simple one. It's one of those things that if you want me to take this vaccine, you have to explain that statistic to me you know there're yeah. just some things that are so obvious we should just look at them and and we don't have to have a 30 year double blind study with lots of confounding variables if you look at the, the simplicity of that study versus what they gave us the from the FDA the, the FDA approval thing for Pfizer's vaccine here i mean i i know how to read scientific stuff it was incredibly garbled i mean i tried to read that the EUA the emergency use authorization where they put down their data and it was like they you couldn't, as Max Kaiser says in his economic report, it was crapification and complexification. They just made it so you couldn't figure out what they're talking about. And it took real mathematics, you know, statistician type people that are used to reviewing these crazy papers like like uh, Joshi at, at the British Medical Journal to look at this and say, wait a minute, this isn't what they're saying. They didn't even add their numbers right. <laughs> in fact, Karen Kingston told me that. A lot of those papers—they don't even add the columns right in the paper, you know. So it's crazy.
1: Yeah, you know, you you said a mouthful there, and when I look at what is the bigger lie as to how they're able to pull this off, and I think one of the biggest lies Satan has been able to sow is that we are inherently good, and as you know, God says we're inherently bad and we're in need of a savior. So if we're inherently good. We we've got a whole country that could never believe they would develop something like this and prop and use propaganda in order to kill us. And right. that, that, that lie is I don't know if it's the, the biggest one that has been used to pull this off, but it's right up there in the top couple.
3: Well, you uh, know, ever-
1: plainly, I mean it's right in front of our eyes, but people are still blind. I it's I so mind blowing to me.
2: Well, that's what J. Edgar Hoover, and I think he would know. J. Edgar Hoover once said that the individual is handicapped by coming face to with face with a conspiracy so monstrous he cannot believe it exists. And okay. that's, that, is, that, is, that, that brings up who, whom we are really fighting here, as, as you mentioned, because, you know, we, most people, they don't want to kill their children. They don't want to do bad things. They don't want to fight wars. You know, right. who, who, who's stirring the pot here? and i would argue that it's a small number of people with a lot of money that really do want uh, to decrease the population of the earth this never was ident- this never was intended to help anybody correct and they you know again when you look in as it from a murder mystery what do what do you try to do you want to get away you want to make it plausible denial you want to you want to inhibit you want to hide the evidence well they've done all those things you know what kind of a what kind of a, a an altruistic I want to help you be healthier kind of business wants to hide their scientific data for 55 years so you can't get at it until it's long too late to know what's going on. Oh, yeah. well, that's uh,
1: that's that's right on. The last lane of this COVID drama is the one that I'm in full time is the hospital murder lane. So we've had right. in 39 months of COVID. There's 1.2, almost 1.2 million Americans with COVID as a diagnosis on their death certificate from a hospital stay. Well, we know that that was used specifically to generate propaganda. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, in, in, at the beginning, if we were all fooled, we might buy into remdesivir ventilators, but it doesn't take long if you're in a hospital setting to realize all of my patients died. So nurse Erin, of course, came out with that right away. She, and she exposed it. She quit because of it. Cause she saw this is wrong. I mean, so then in that light, I mean, you know, we have a lawsuit. We have the first hearing coming up this coming Friday. And so the question I have for you is given what's happened, do you believe doctors and nurses should be held individually responsible for following orders?
2: Well, this is exactly what happened in World War II and before. I mean, this is what happens when government takes over medical care, and this is what we've been warning about. So it, ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's the. I always make this analogy. So who is more guilty? Eichmann, who made the trains run on time in Germany and to the, to the death camps. He got the pac- yes. patients. He, he made a system that worked, okay, or the guards that beat somebody to death you know again albert burla didn't give anybody an injection he made it possible to take the money from the research arm that wanted this the people that the big boys on the top of the world pyramid that wanted depopulation he made sure that money went to funding a depopulation device and they've worked on this for a long time i believe but but he made he just made the money work and and he put it all together he got the system together well again it's the it's it they don't use their own hands to do the dirty work they use our hands and so we have to be morally responsible for our own lives and the lives of the people around us because you you can't just take you can't say well i didn't know the shotgun was loaded and start shooting it downtown philadelphia and kill some people and not be held accountable because you said i didn't know the gun was loaded that doesn't work then it won't work now now whether or not. There's, we will ever actually get justice is a whole different issue. And I, I have to say, I don't know, I'm sure you saw it. I, 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 or maybe not, but I went finally, I took my husband to that movie, uh, the sounds of the sound of freedom. And I thought I knew about child trafficking, but they make it, it, it still opened my eyes to some things. And they say at the end of the movie that he makes the point that the storyteller is one of the most powerful people in the world. Because they can take a bunch of data and a bunch of dry facts and they make it into a compelling story that gets people's attention. And I would say, you know, I knew about the hospitals. I knew about stuff going on and I, I, to a certain extent, and I was disgusted by the whole thing. But when you tell this, when I heard your story with grace that's at the level of the storyteller that's so compelling and so powerful that that raises this up a notch and it and it helps get the, the thing across because nurses, I'm, I'm just I make this plea all the time. If you're still working in a hospital and you're a nurse or a pharmacy tech or anybody that's expected to participate in this, you have to take a strong you have to say now it's long past time to get out. Otherwise, it, even if even if we don't hold you accountable, God will. You've got, it. that's the, you know, you're morally accountable at this point. There's no way to not look at this. I mean, you know, just simple things. What, what, what kills me is, is not being, and I once was at the university, but not being a university, you know, professor in medicine, uh, a job I turned down several times, you know, I mean, I could have been, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to practice. So I was out in the middle of nowhere and in a smaller city. And so, People at the university always look down and say, oh, we know what the truth is. Those guys don't really do their research and they don't really know what's going on. I thought that, too, when I was at the university being young and foolish. But where are they now? Again, how can they not see what's going on? And and how can they see all these young people dying after the vaccine, after this and vaccine injection? And they don't even try to explain it. It's not just it's not just that they they're not saying, no, we know that that's from this, 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 this. They don't even question it. They're not doing research. Yeah. Jane Orient just has a very good article about the negative proves this. The fact that they're not doing research to figure out why these young people are dying or they're not speaking about it in public, if they are, tells you reams of information right there. They should be aggressively looking at this. I agree. I mean, they instead, they try to normalize it. And, that's And they're normalizing the hospital deaths. That's the point. That's exactly I mean, I had my own experience and it didn't end up in the tragedy of yours, but I, I mean, I was shocked when I took my husband into the hospital, what happened to him? I mean, how they separated you and they, 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 they wouldn't even talk to it. It's not like, okay, if you don't want me in the room with him, but he's really sick and he's not, this was, it wasn't even COVID, but he was really sick and he couldn't, he'd been so dehydrated. I couldn't keep him hydrated. That's why he went to the hospital, and I I couldn't talk to the doctor, and he wouldn't. He wasn't able to give a a, a cogent history, so the doctor just acted on this gibberish that he must have told him. <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable. I, we never we would have thought that would have been. You would have been up before your hospital committee, your, your medical staff committee. And you're, if you'd done these kind of things before and you would have been, you know, sued, you would have had all these things happen to you, but now they've got all this protection. Right. Again, it can't be at the level. This is not an evil that was rendered by one doctor or two doctors or a few nurses or one hospital. This is a global type evil that that was able to pull this off.
1: Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right, I want to switch gears to cancer, and I'm going to tell you, Don's going to bring up a slide, but I'm going to tell you how I got this slide. So I've listened to one of your podcasts on cancer. I was wowed by it, and I thought, you know what, for today I'm going to bring up, I just Googled uh, causes of cancer, and this is the okay. first thing that came up. So Don's <laughs> going to bring up this slide, and I would like your, your comments on, on this slide. So this is what people find when they Google causes of cancer, first thing that pops yeah. up. All right, so walk through this slide. <laughs>
2: Well, it's kind of funny, because um, I, I, was, I was stationed in Japan for a long time. And it, it's interesting that I had a, a friend who lived well into his 80s. I don't know if he's still alive now, but he was a physician. And he was a chain smoker. I mean, so many Japanese in those days, this, I was over there in the 80s, but they all smoked, but they weren't dying of cancer, of lung cancer. And, and again, I, I went back and my, my whole family went back and we visited with him and his family when he was in his 80s. He's still running upstairs and doing all sorts of things. I mean, so there's that. I mean, there's some more story to that. The sun cancer, the sunburn thing is kind of funny. Yeah, sunburn may be in a small percentage, but it turns out that most of the skin cancer has started after we started using sunscreens. So um, there's just so much of this going on. You know, I was thinking you were going to put up the uh, the cancer studies where if you go to the PubMed you, and you look up the what they're really studying at the NIH, for example, then it's all it's all like ivermectin and all these anti parasitic drugs they're studying for cancer. That tells you something. You know? It
1: does tell you something exactly. <laughs> so what is the uh, what is the
2: um... Cause of cancer. The bottom line: what is well, it? Well, again, I'm not going to pretend I know the cause of cancer, but this is what what I've been thinking, watching what's happening at COVID. Because when I was a young military physician, and before I was an orthopedic surgeon, I was a general medical officer, and and I ran sick call for seven thousand Marines at one point. And I'm going to tell you, you you know, you would see a young guy come in, and he'd have maybe a testicular cancer, a single. Solitary cancer cancer is pretty rare in 25 year old healthy young guys. But when it happens, it's usually a single cancer, maybe a son, son, you know, maybe a melanoma, maybe a testicular cancer, but it's something that you can send off and generally can be well treated because it's early and it's one thing what's happening now is these guys are getting this, this military was mandated to get this vaccine. And now they're showing up and they're sometimes having metastases. The first presentation of this is metastases everywhere. And in addition, we're seeing people out in the civilian life and we hear about this turbo cancer, like yes. they, they, and i I can tell you, I've been contacted confidentially by doctors that don't want to speak out publicly saying they've never seen cancer like this before. They've never seen it break out so much. It's different types of cancer and it's all over the place. And people that were stable for, you know, a decade had suddenly decompensate and now have, have, have this turbo cancer. So what's going on here? Why? What would Did cancer suddenly change during this period of time or did we do something? And in my opinion, the most obvious thing is we gave these people a, a, a toxic substance that we call, fallaciously call a vaccine, and they suddenly got all these weird presentations of cancer that's not like what we saw before. So how does that work? Well, it turns out that the German, and I wasn't smart enough to figure this out. I'm just putting the dots together. The, the Germans had a, had a, a some institute and I, I should remember their actual research names, which you can find this on, on YouTube. There's a video called uh, cancerous parasites. And these guys are solid institute researchers. These aren't just, you know, fly by night guys. And they've been looking at this for years and trying to scream this from the highest yard arm and nobody's paying attention. Or they were being suppressed because you know what a big economic hit this is going to be to the cancer industry if this comes out to the r- world and what they're showing is cancer and uh, that cancer is actually an intracellular microscopic parasite and there's a whole bunch to that 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 uh, that is technical that we can talk about but but the interestingly when you I talked about predictive programming. The other reason I believe it's true is you go back and you watch the video from the 2012 opening of the Olympic games. In addition to predicting this blue spike ball that they call SARS-CoV-2 and they have all this stuff of, you know, this huge thing about the the, the, the dancing nurses and all that kind of stuff. They show this thing coming out of this, the sea of blue spike balls and it's a black kind of stringy thing that swirts out of this video that is exactly when I saw that. I said, Oh, they don't people don't recognize. I said, Oh my gosh, that is right out of the German video on the parasites that cause cancer. So, when you really look at this, it turns out what are all the drugs they didn't want us to have, and what are all the drugs they're studying for cancer? It turns out ivermectin is right up there. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, years ago, which we use for you know, it's all always called Plaquenil, we used it for autoimmune disease, and they showed. At one point, there were papers coming out showing that people with autoimmune disease that took hydroxychloroquine developed cancer less often. Now, subsequently, I think they've tried to poo-poo that. But the, but the, these cancer drugs are, are there's, there's an underground, like fenbendazole, which is panicure C that you're, you can use for your dogs or your horses or whatever. There's a whole underground um, website. It's, it's fenbendazole.org, I believe. And it's a whole group of people that have been using it successfully for cancer. So my point is we're in a world right now where not only do they have a, they, li- they lied about us, about what cancer probably is for decades or more. They lied about what these vaccines were really all about. And then to triple down on their, their evil, they're lying about the fact that we might be able to get people out of the damage of these things, at least out of some of it. You know, they don't want us to think there's a way out because they still want more of us to go. And I think the other thing to say here is the people running this show love fear and they want everybody to be afraid. And I think once you think there's a way out of this, you know, in all fairness to the physicians, I do have some sympathy that it's hard to face the fact that you might have through your own ignorance, killed yourself, your friends, your family, and your patients. That is a hard bill to swallow. And I think that if you realize this is not an mRNA thing that is damaging your DNA, it's not irreversible. It may be something that's really simple, like they just poisoned your immune system temporarily and allowing you to get cancer. If you take care of the problem, you can get passed through this, let your immune system rebuild and you'll maybe be okay. This is possible. We don't know, but this is possible. And they want you not to even think about it. That's what my point would be.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's a great point. I mean, Satan is the master of using fear as a tool, and you know, grace is dead because I I bought into that propaganda of fear and took her to the hospital, and of course, I had to repent of that. I want to uh, go to something different. This is from your website, and I really want to promote your website, The Medical Rebel, because you've got tons of good information here. Oh, so this is just a, this is just a short clip about the good and bad foods to eat. And you can just make a quick comment maybe about one of them. But it's just to whet the appetite of anybody listening that they they start following you because you are a source of truth. So Don, can you play that short clip from Dr. Merritt's website? By the
0: way, this is the last time that you will like me. (laughs) Wheat, barley, rye, oats. That's right. Whole grains, wheat, barley, rye, and oats. Bad dog, no biscuit. Oil in a bottle, fried food, meat cooked well done, meat that has nitrates added as preservatives, the skins of baked potatoes, yams, sweet potatoes, A carbonated beverage with a meal. Carbonated beverages with a meal. I don't care if it's Perrier, sparkling water, beer, uh, club soda, or champagne. If it has bubbles in it, do not drink it with a meal. Soy and corn. That's right, soy and corn. These foods are bad, bad for the human body. And if you eat these foods, it's only a matter of time until the net negative effects that they generate in your body add up and something breaks.
1: So (laughs) the ones that I would like to focus on quickly, first, I was super happy that I can still have beer. So that was, you know, he did not say beer was on the bad food list. I just can't have it with a meal. So we
3: Well,
2: except that beer is made of wheat or barley. are, you All know, right. unfortunately, so you gotta get a gluten-free beer. I'll I'll tell you the rest of the story on that one. <laughs> OK, I uh, argued with him about oats, by the way,
1: <laughs> I uh, I had developed or I found out I had heart disease six years ago. So that food list I was familiar with. But the one I wasn't familiar with was oil in a bottle. So what's the reason for that?
2: Well, OK, so and actually that one I that one I knew and I didn't have any problem with it. And by the way, it's funny because now you're Dr. Glidden there. He's a naturopath before covid i didn't know what a naturopath was there are people that spend 4 years of of medical school studying the nutritional aspects of wellness and disease right so there's a ton anybody thinks this is just juju this is really hard science there's lots of documentation for what he's saying here because they studied they and and, and it's been done in animals exclude you know really intensely how food interacts with people and makes chronic disease. Most chronic disease really is something we put in our mouth. And what's funny is I'm, you know, so I'm an MD And, uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to be highly qualified. I can't even remember a a nutritional lecture I ever had. And when he started saying something one time, he says, and you allopaths, you know, that's what we call them naturopaths. They call us allopaths, but he said in such a derogatory fashion, I just had to laugh because I said, you're right. We are poorly trained on this really poorly trained, but, um, The issue about oils. Okay. And again, this is not just about oils. It's about scientific fraud and deceit. And this has been going on in your life, your whole life and my whole life. And when I was in medical school, for example, I started in 1976 and I remember at that time, remember, it was the old don't have any cholesterol and no saturated fats. That was the big deal. Okay. Now, how did that come to be? Well, it turned out that after World War II, the sugar industry was getting worried because they were starting to associate heart attacks and cardiac illness uh, in men. They were looking at men primarily, but they were looking at at the risk of of death from an MI, cardiac, you know, heart attacks, etc. And and what you were eating, and it turned out to be carbohydrates. They were they were. It looks like it's carbohydrates, right? So the car the sugar industry paid three professionals, two were physicians, I think one was a PhD from Harvard to basically besmirch all the literature that was coming out, suggesting it was carbohydrates and to, and to put the, put the onus on saturated fats. Well, the other thing that happened, I know you can't make this up. The other thing that happened, and this was going on unbeknownst to me when I was in medical school uh, in New York, they were, they took a bunch of people in um, like, like uh, psychiatric facilities and they you know trust me their, the state psychiatric facility doesn't feed you a proper diet they they feed you what they can afford to feed you and so it's not necessarily the best quality stuff but what they just what they did in this study is they looked at unsaturated versus saturated fat diet so they took the basic standard diet in these in these homes with these people, which was pretty uniform across the state, and they substituted in the in the study group fifty percent of their saturated fats. They made them unsaturated fats. Now they didn't have when when we think of of good quality saturated fats, we might think of. Of butter, but they were using margarine. They were using stuff that now we would consider the bad fats anyway. Right. So, but so it wasn't like they were suddenly giving them greater fats in one, they were just substituting a, a bad but saturated or a bad but unsaturated oil for a bad saturated oil. And yet it turned out that although the cholesterol levels in the unsaturated people, the, the bottled oil people came down, their heart attack rate went sky high up. In other words, they were, for every point down or a few points down in cholesterol, they had several points increase in their, in their rate of of, of uh, heart attacks. So this was not, and it was not a small difference, but when that study came out and was published, it didn't tell you that. It, it kind of, it softened this all up and it came up with different conclusions. In other words, they, only now have they gone back and looked at those data again and said, wait a minute, that's not what they showed, and now we get it. So, it turns out that all that stuff about unsaturated fats was wrong, that the safest fats, you know, they used to, they used to cook, uh, the like, uh, A and W French fries were cooked in, in lard. Okay. They tasted better. They were crisper, um, still not health food, but they were good tasting. And it turns out that is much safer than cooking them in the current, like corn oil or soybean oil or whatever. It's all those. So again, the real simple thing on diet, if my opinion is, is Jack LaLanne. If you remember him in the fifties, he was the 19, he was the, yeah, I'm older than you are, but he was the black and white TV exercise guru. Okay. And Jack okay. LaLanne's point, he he was a big juicer and stuff and, 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 you know, great big shoulders, little waist. He was doing fingertip pushups at age of 92. So this guy was not, he was, he was walking the walk the walk. So he said, if man made it, don't eat it. That is really the simplest prescription. Real food for real people, as the Weston A price people say. If if God made it, it's there for you. But but see, processed oils like soy oil or these grain oils, they're really not not good for you. And and that's what the problem is. Your body that it, it clogs you up, but then the, the real process, so so when I, when I was in practice, it was fun. I would, I would talk to my patients that were over 90 and every time I had somebody that was over 90, I would just kind of, I would just add a lot of women, more women than men, but some men I would ask these women, I'd say, okay, when you were cooking back then, okay, how, tell me something about your diet because obviously you're a healthy looking person, you're over 90. Tell me what your success was been to in diet. And she's, and it would always, they would almost to a person conspiratorially they'd lean forward and they'd say, well, I never gave up the butter and eggs. You know? <laughs> they ate the bacon. And I would say, if they were female, I would ask them, I'd say, and when you cooked pies, what fat did you use? What, what shortening did you use? And they said, we used lard. You know, So they did not use Crisco. They did not use these oils. Okay. Yeah. And that's the key. And, and we've been lied to about, just about, in fact, my rule of thumb now in medicine, if they tell you to do something, it's wrong. If they tell you not to do something, you should look at it to do. It really is that simple. Almost everything is not only it's the satanic inversion. It's 180 degrees out. It's just completely wrong. It's not a little bit wrong. And you got to ask yourself, um, you know, on random chance alone, if our medical organizations really wanted us to be healthy, couldn't they be right once in a while? (laughs) They just never seem to be.
1: Yeah, that inversion, we're going to touch on that I think at the end here, but you know, the satanic inversion is Satan has two sides of the same coin. God's way is always outside of the satanic in, inversion. And so like you said, if God made it, it's good. Anything else is is bad. That's fantastic. All right, yeah. next next topic, the alternative system that everybody's talking about You know, my question is that quality that it's going to happen. And the reason I say it isn't because I'm a doubting Thomas. I say it because of the programming that we have, that we've got to have medical insurance and medical insurance is not going to pay for the alternative system. So then how does it ever get to a critical mass where it, it actually can can work?
2: Well, and I'm going to make a shameless plug for AAPS, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, because since 1943, they've been warning of exactly this. They said, if we get in bed with the government, if doctors become uh, servants to the government, they won't be servants to their patients. And nothing good ever comes of this. This is how governments ultimately always end up killing people. Because they don't deliver care in the sense that they don't create it. They just move around who gets what. And so they have to choose you over somebody else. That's exactly what happened in my opinion, probably to grace is that people thought that she didn't deserve it. Somebody that was more, more competent deserved it. That was their, that was their fallacious thinking. Uh, That's the utilitarian ethic that has crept into medicine. So, Um, the only, if you want to be treated like a cash customer, you need to be a cash customer. If you let Medicare, or if you let insurance companies pay for your healthcare, then they become the customer. That is the economic reality here. Now, the way we get us, but, but nonetheless, the good news is there's been a, a a growing parallel system that people have not been aware of for a very long time. It's in the last, since in the last 20 years, it's really kicked off with the anti-aging societies, the people that are. Saying we don't have to go, you know, all this chronic disease that we're seeing. Look, it's a matter of diet, it's a matter of exercise, but it's also a matter of we need to be doing this, 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 this. There are other things we can do to tweak your health as you get older. And so they've kind of come out, but you see, because Medicare doesn't pay for it and your insurance doesn't pay for it. They've all, they've gone off the plantation and become cash doctors. And that's what we've been treating. That's what we've been teaching doctors how to do at AAPS. They have a, they have a quarterly meeting they used to have called thrive. Don't just survive. If there are any doctors out there and you want to know how to get off the plantation of insurance, we tell you how to do it. It's really quite easy. And I will tell patients there, the patients that say, well, it's going to be too expensive. Here's my own experience. And I'm unfortunately 70, so I'm on Medicare now. I needed a couple of years ago, I needed an MRI of my shoulder, no, of my knee, uh, just to check that, that something I had had repaired was healing because it just wasn't feeling quite right. If I'd gone to my own hospital, I would, where I was working, but I was 67 or 68, so I was under Medicare, I would have, it would have cost me $1,850 copay. That's including what the Medicare would have paid the hospital. Now, if I'd gone for cash at this yes. MRI center, cash MRI center, which I ended up doing, I paid $475, boom, done. <laughs> so don't think it's always going to be more expensive to go through the government. It really is not. It ultimately costs more. They, they waste money and they never do anything right. So what we the first step is people have to make that, you're right, they have to make that transition. Doctors have to make that transition and they have to come up with how to price things. One of the problems here is, it's like Stalin said one time, he was talking to his uh, economic advisor and, and, and he was saying, wouldn't it be great if the whole world was, was uh, communist and the, and the economic advisor says, no, 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 Comrade Stalin, you need, we need one uh, actual non-communist country. He says, why? He says, because we need to know the real prices of goods and services the real cost of goods and services <laughs> the problem is these young doctors have never worked outside the system they have no idea how to do it but we do there are people around that do you can get help and you we can teach i'm i'm actually helping a guy get out of the military now he's being riffed out about over this vaccine thing and i'm helping teach him how to, how to set up a cash practice and he's going to do it i think the exact so so that is happening and doctors that have been caught up in this covid they know that are on the right side of it they are doing this they're starting to do it um they're they're at all levels of, of finance and, and, and simplicity or complexity. Now, unfortunately, there's some things we're always going to need. If you break your femur, you're going to need hospitalization and a, and a surgeon. Um, if you rupture your, your gallbladder, you know, if you have, you know, you're going to need surgery that we have to, we haven't completely worked out yet, but we have, there's, there's thinking about that. But right now, what you can do is you can find a doctor that is not caught up in all this and you can go to for example the aps or the uh uh worldhealth.net that's the anti aging group there are different groups of of people there are different lists out there in fact jan um at, on my podcast at my website the if you contact us i think she has a list of the 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 um the, the societies, the medical organizations that give out the names of people that are having alternative cash, not system practices that are outside this mess because you can't trust the system right now. As you know, right. you cannot trust the system with your your, your, your loved one's life. So, so, but when you do that, the, the, the thing that we also are finding out is, and this is my point, is that when you look at ancient medicine, it's very simple and the answers are really simple we need to get back to the concept that you don't need a million dollars of workup in order to get healthy. You don't, it's health doesn't come from a bottle and it doesn't come from a million blood studies. It comes from doing certain things. And in the ancient medicine, they only knew needed, they only knew about detoxification and purification. In other words, get right with God and get rid of the toxins in your body. I guess they knew about viruses, toxins being viruses. But now we know about parasites, we know about EMF toxicity, the electromagnetic frequency problem, and we know about deficiency diseases like uh, Dr. Glidden's talking about with you need to supplement, which you need to supplement correctly. So that's the that's kind of the um, the the five-point program that you need to do. And you can do those things without a doctor at all. So one of the things we've learned is that, and this is something that churches could do, and it's starting to happen, that people are looking to set up these little medical pods where they have a, they have a hyperbaric oxygen center and they have a way of giving IVs. Yes. That alone would keep a lot of people out of the hospital in COVID. That would have kept a lot of people out of the hospital. Now, the next step is our problem is uh, the licensing boards for medical doctors and pharmacists because people are afraid to lose their license. But I'm going to tell you now in the age there, the insurgents, again, hospital-based people, this is a hard call right now. We don't have that set up, but for non-hospital based people, you don't need a license got news for you for most of the stuff that you do. You don't need a license. And if you want one, We just discovered the crow nation will give you a license to treat anybody in the country. They just have to pay a small fee to, to sign up with the crow nation, but it's a system where we can get people off the licensing board nonsense because the licensing boards, they're actually just corporations. They're not real. They don't have any right to tell you, you can't practice your God given specialty. You don't learn anything from the licensing board. They don't make medicine safer. You as a physician learned it from your medical school and your training and you are the responsibility to make things safer and better for your patients. But most of the time it doesn't require pharmaceuticals and it doesn't require some of the stuff we've been doing. And you know, it's hard to look at people that are on 21 medications and think that has any benefit to them. I mean, I don't care what your problem is. I couldn't manage 21 medications and I doubt that anybody can. That says to you, there's a lie here that, that we have to get around and what we, and I'm not saying everybody stop their medicines, but I've heard a lot of stories that tell people that people have weaned themselves off one by one off these things and they're feeling better. They realize that they were just over medicated. So I think there's a lot of out of the box thinking that, that we're starting to do. And I see doctors doing it. You know, Sherry Tenpenny's got a whole new clinic, not using, it's like, it's using techniques that aren't pharmaceuticals and um, that's where it's going.
1: Well, that makes total sense. I had heard about the the licensing board situation about a month ago, I thought, Oh my gosh, that's, that's brilliant. And then uh, you, you have your business model. I forgot what the structure is, but the structure is outside of the government corporation model on top of it. So you overlay that. Do you remember what that's called?
2: uh, Well, there's a whole, and and this is something that is beyond just, you know, I started in this whole thing because of COVID, but this is about the fundamental nature of our reality in our country. And it turns out that the world has been corporatized and, and corporations are yeah. just set up to do evil. I, I mean, I have to tell you, this is my worldview now. And, it, and I this wasn't the one I started with five years ago or three years ago, however long it's been now, it seems like forever. Um, that, you know, we're meant to be rugged individualists. That's why God gave us free will. And you don't need a system to exercise free will, but you need a hierarchy, a pyramid type system of, of control to control people. And so every time yes. you get involved in an organization that's that's actually got a top down control mechanism there and the bigger the organization, the the, the more evil I think you're going to find the top of that organization. It's just that's what's happened is the world has been taken over by these structures because Satan needs a structure to control you. You can't do it with a bunch of individuals. That's why they had to get all the doctors in the hospital for COVID. They Obamacare hound, rounded up all the doctors into a pen. And they they didn't practice independently. They couldn't make independent decisions. They could only do what the hospital told them. That's what they, that's without quitting. That's what they were stuck with. And that's how we got here. So, so yeah, I think that, I think if we, uh, if we realize that structure and we step out and that's our legal system too, it's our legal system. Our legal system is all about, it's really the Babylonian legal system it's being a sovereign, a, a, a state national. It's being being a, a child of God on your soil in your state, not a corporate entity. That's that's one of the next steps people can take.
1: I was just looking at my other screen because I want to get the name of this because it was split my mind. But it's called the Private Member oh, Association. Yeah. Uh,
2: again, now even the Private Member Associations. I, I, if you have to sign up with the government and get a tax ID, don't do it. That's my advice. I'm not a legal. I don't pretend to be a legal expert, but I can. You know, my friend uh, Paul Blair, who's a minister, he's a Baptist minister, and the, he and he and his partner Dan Fisher run the Liberty Pastors, about teaching how teaching pastors ministers how to how to not have to um, you know how to how to speak the words of liberty and not be afraid of the government. Well, and it's more than that, but that's that's kind of why they're named the Liberty Pastors. But one of the things that they did years ago and he did this with Matt staver and I can't remember all the people that were involved but it started with just a few of these ministers and then it got bigger they tried to they decided to challenge this whole 501 C3 concept that you you know you get a you get a cat you get a a, a your special status with the government so that churches don't have to pay taxes. And then, but you can't speak certain things from your pulpit. You can't take political stance. So what they would do, they started by, you probably know this story, but they started preaching a political sermon. They taped it. They made a a transcript and they sent it to the IRS. And this IRS did nothing. So they kept doing this. More and more preachers got involved. They kept doing this year after year. And finally the IRS, I think, called Matt Staver and says, okay, okay, we give, we give we, we got to tell you the real truth is that no matter what you do, we can't take away your status. It's not the 501 C three, it's the constitution and you have it guaranteed to you. So that's see, people have been, they've been lied to about everything. So, so that's the same thing with your, your medical license. Oh, here's one I've discovered. Same thing, looking into the actual law, not what they told us the law was. Why do I need a DEA license? You know, the, the, uh, the, the, the DEA is the, the, Guardian of narcotics and and drugs, right? And you're supposed to have this license so that you can write a prescription post operative for your man, your your patient to have a pain medication. So dutifully, I spent now I'm now it's like eight hundred dollars for a couple of years to buy a DEA license, which you know you fill this thing out on the computer and you send it in and you they fleece you this money and then you get this. I read the actual law, and the actual law says you only need a DEA license if you are distributing narcotics or scheduled drugs in other words if i'm a distributor of any of these drugs on that dea list then i need a dea license but if i don't distribute anything i can write a prescription all day long and i don't need that license unreal that's a very interesting point now the pharmacy people don't know that and so they're going to stop you from doing it but we ought to call them on it this is how this is what we have to do to take back our world is we have to show the lies and show that we that you need to respect you know here's because here here's the ultimate point that people should keep in mind and i'm i'm from Iowa and i used to think we were a very conservative state but in Iowa they they didn't want us to have ivermectin they didn't want us to have azithromycin when this whole thing started out and the, uh, and the governor signed a letter with the Iowa Board of Medicine the Iowa Board of Pharmacy all these different boards saying oh you doctors if you do this we might look at your license that's essentially the, the tone of the letter now I called up one of my congressmen or my state legislatures and I said, I said, listen, what would you do, for example, if the government wanted to, you know, depopulate and they wanted to and and they just decided we're not going to allow pharmacy to give out any uh, insulin to people because we don't think people that are diabetic are worthy of life. Great okay. question. <laughs> you know, what would you do? As, as And I think people in the state legislature all around the country should think about this. What would you do at the next, because they don't need a vaccine to kill people. All they have to do right now is to tell pharmacies they cannot give out insulin or give Correct. out some other life-threatening, life-saving drug. And would you let that happen? And if not, then how are you going to go about it? Because that is exactly what is happening. They're just doing it with other drugs and other principles.
1: You you have quite a gift of seeing through BS and, and cutting to the quick. I just it's it's a it's a joy. Angela
2: Lansbury. <laughs> no. Just...
1: I uh, I wanted you you gave a good segue to my next question, which is detoxification when you were giving the answer previously. But what I wanted you to comment on is chlorine dioxide, sauna, anything that because this detoxing of course got brought to light because of COVID covid so it is let it rip it's, it's
2: the flu season every year okay so to understand why this works is you've got to understand the flu season and on i just put this on the i hope it's working i'm i'm not the best uh, geeky guy on the on the internet but i on the front of my um inter, on my my website i have my history of the night my my review of the 1918 pandemic And I really spent about a year of my life and some money to buy archives and things and went to the primary sources. And it's not what they were telling us. Here's why you, to understand the need for detoxification, you have to first understand what happens to you and why people die, why old people have died in the flu season, the so-called flu season, especially if there are no viruses. And the answer is this is that it's not about viruses. It's always been about toxins and we live our life and we get in, we get, you know, in contact with things that are toxic, more so in modern world than our great grandparents did, for example. So, you know, you get, you get, I mean, there's the the big toxins, there's alcohol, there's cigarettes, there's, and then there's all these cleaning fluids and whatever it is that you get in your body that's toxic. Your body has a way of getting, your body's wonderfully made and has a way of getting these toxins out of it. And it has, it, it, it actually is, Interesting because it's done exactly the way that we do things in the lab. It's called electrophoresis. Every cell in your body has a charge. It's like a little battery. Now, they didn't tell us this in medical school. They always told us, you're not a plant. You don't get any direct energy from the sun. That's not true. You actually do get direct energy from the sun. And it's in the infrared and, and red spectrum, near infrared and infrared spectrum. Uh, probably why they want us to have sunscreen on. So we don't, don't get any of this stuff. But what happens is that when you're out in the sun, you get charged up. Uh, when you sleep, you improve your immune system. All these different things happen. But there's a charge like a battery. And when you get a toxin in your cell, the battery puts the, your cell puts a charge around that toxin and spits it out of the cell. That's how it does it. It, it, it. it spits it out electromagnetically. So what happens in the winter? Well, in the winter, we all go inside. We are not out in the sun as much and our batteries start running down. You know when your grandma said you need to get some rest because your batteries are low, she was you know that was a metaphor in the old days, but that she turns out to be exactly right. Grandmas were right, and so what happens in the winter is, you're you're doing you, you know my my grandparents and actually even in my lifetime I remember we used to live by the sun cycle. Farming communities used to live by the sun cycle. There wasn't TV. There wasn't, you know, people went to bed when the sun went down a little bit after. But electric lights have allowed us to live this lifestyle where people are up all night. And in the winter, especially, you know, you've got the kids coming home for Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're cleaning the house, getting ready for them and doing Christmas shopping. You're not living by the sun cycle anymore. It used to be in the summer, you could be out all the time working in your garden and you could be out farming and doing things till and stay up till late at night till nine or 10 o'clock because you got a lot of energy in coming into your body and you could, you could get rid of the toxins that you acquired and you had a lot of energy in the winter. You went to bed earlier because you didn't have the same energy coming in. We now are living a mismatch. We are expending energy in the winter that we don't have. And when you're, when your batteries get drained, you can't get rid of toxins. And therefore the guys that are the most toxic and have the worst immune systems, which are generally the older people. They're the ones that die in the winter of the flu season. Now, We never had a flu season until they laid down the telegram lines. So part of this problem is electromagnetic frequency screws up that battery in each of our cells. It screws up the electromagnetic grade, the electric gradient that allows us to spit out toxins, not completely, or we'd all be dead, but enough that it it raises up the threshold so that some people die every winter. And that didn't used to happen. Old people didn't used to have a winter death season, but now we do. So how do we save ourselves from this? Well, we we can, first of all, there are infrared saunas and there's, you know, tanning booze, which they, they poo-poo all of this. They tell you, oh, those can cause skin cancer. Forget worried about that. Just get some sun on you in the winter, you know, go down to Arizona or Florida or something. That's why we had the snowbirds when, when I was in practice in Arizona, 100,000, 200,000 people from up north came down and wintered with us. So get some sun. Second thing is live by the sun cycle. Some of my healthiest patients in my practice in the past were farmers that still lived the old way. You know, don't try and extend, don't stay up late. The worst time is like around the January when the really, your batteries are really starting to run down now because it's been a month or two year and been inside. What do you do? You go out and party and drink at New Year's and you, you eat too much and you toxify yourself when you least can afford to do that. So that's not the way to do it. And then then the other thing is to detoxify yourself all the time. And there's where we get into chlorine dioxide. So chlorine dioxide is really God's gift to mankind. I can't tell you to use it because I don't want to go to jail like Bishop Brennan and some of these other people. But I will tell you that uh, I use it every day. And in fact, I don't have my bottle with me or I was going to show you. Usually I bring it down here. Every day I get up in the morning and I make my bottle of chlorine dioxide and then I sip it throughout the day. That's the way you want to do it. You want to give yourself a gradual dose throughout the day. Now, what is so special about chlorine dioxide? And I got to tell you, I thought it was too good to be true, but it's not. It's actually, is true. There's a great movie that this ICU nurse put together and a number of years ago, he did this and it's called uh, the universal chlorine dioxide, the universal antidote or universal. Yeah. The universal antidote, I think it's fabulous. I mean, he did it and it's lots of hours. You don't have to listen to the whole thing, but I'm sure you would continue. I didn't make it through the whole thing, but you have, you listen to a couple hours of that and you go, okay, I'm absolutely doing this. It's cheap. Uh, My friend, um, Bob Sisson, uh, when he became a Christian, he started doing missionary work and he goes to Uganda. He takes tons of this stuff and he cures malaria over there, at least treats the acute phase of malaria over there. And it's, so it's it's particularly toxic to uh, parasites, but it doesn't harm your good bacteria. So people are always worried, well, what's it do to my gut flora? Turns out it's because of its properties, it takes out the bad guys and doesn't take out the good guys. So the answer is you can make it at home. And I have a thing on my website, how to do this, which I'm, if you wait a week, I'm, I'm actually improving it to make it even easier. One of the problems, and I think this is not by accident. One of the problems in chlorine dioxide is no doctors ever got into this. Okay, for the most part, doctors, with the, with some exceptions, they kept it base. So, and and doctors have a way of writing protocols for things. We're trained to do some of this to make it a little simpler for patients. Theoretically, it's all been done by ministers and 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 missionaries and and odds and ends people, and they all have their little different take on it. So there are too many words and too many names and too many different things. But at the end of the day, it's really pretty simple you take a couple drops and you mix it in water and you drink it throughout the day. You know, it's just, how do you get there? And what are the terms, but it's a two, usually you get a kit and it's a two two bottle kit and it's you, if you get good stomach acid, you only need to use the, uh, the actual, the the sodium chloride solution, which is called MMS or miracle mineral solution Um, because you have hydrochloric acid, which is the activator in your stomach. So the way it works is, you mix the, hydrochlor- the hydrochloric acid activator plus the the uh, sodium chloride solution, makes chlorine dioxide, which is a gas in solution. It that's only got a short half life. I mean, it lives for a while, but y- it's not going to live for more than a day, probably. Okay, and you keeping a lid on it helps, but if you're going to put it, for example, take a bath in it, which is fabulous, you're gonna you're gonna it's going to be gone in half an hour to 45 minutes. So you sit in the bath during that time, but after that, it's pretty well used up. Um, okay. but when you drink it, if you have, if you have normal stomach acid, you don't need to mix it so it doesn't go bad. You can carry that bottle around for days probably. So that's the simple, I go through all that and I'm going to actually make a little video too. Cause it's, I want people to use this. And here's the thing it's cheap, it's effective, and it really keeps you from, it helps you. It's, it's not the only thing I would do in terms of this, but it's the, it's basically your detoxification. It really takes out the toxins and they they know it the governments know this it's used all around the world for water purification and for food purification why because it doesn't damage the food it and it doesn't damage your water pipes whereas with all this toxic stuff it's not bleach it's not Clorox. it's not these stuff that it's not bromine or chlorine or all this junk that they put in the water that's toxic but this is the antitoxin that's the key it's really good stuff <laughs>
1: Another exceptional answer. Thank you. All right. We're going to switch gears. So if you are listening, you want to do this in two parts because we just talked about health. Now we're going to talk about uh, the satanic agenda. So I'm going to switch gears completely. And I think this is... uh, maybe the most important piece, although the first piece was very important, I see what's happening as a spiritual battle. I was not awake to any of this before Grace died. So, I want to start with um, a clip on Ephesians 6.12 to introduce what we're up against. So, Don, can you play that Derek Prince clip,
4: please? Now, for a brief description of the Kingdom of Satan and its headquarters, we turn to Ephesians chapter 6, which actually is an absolutely key verse on this whole theme. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. For our wrestling match is not against persons with bodies. Now that phrase is taken from the Living Bible. And I think it's a very good phrase. We are in a wrestling match. But we're wrestling persons who don't have bodies. Well, that immediately causes us to adjust our thinking because we're not used to the concept of persons without bodies. Although there are multitudes of such persons in the universe. Then he says, in the Prince version, against rulers with various areas and descending orders of authority. So, it's a very highly organized kingdom. There are rulers in this kingdom, each with a particular area of responsibility. And under each of those rulers there are sub-rulers who are responsible for sub-areas in that kingdom. Now, you might say, well, Satan was very clever to devise such an organization. That's not so. The truth of the matter is that he rebelled against God, being, as most people believe, in in charge of one-third of the creative angels. uh, Brought his angels into rebellion against God with him and were cast out of heaven and simply set up a rival kingdom keeping the organizational structure that they had when they were part of God's kingdom. Our wrestling match is not against persons with bodies, but against rulers with various areas and descending orders of authority, against the world dominators of the present darkness. And I deliberately use the word dominate because the Greek word is a very powerful word. And I choose the word dominate because God never dominates anybody. Wherever you encounter domination, it's something satanic. That's not how God rules people. But Satan's ambition is to dominate the whole world. Do you understand that? Not just some little part of humanity. But through a kingdom of darkness to dominate the whole world. And because his kingdom is a kingdom of darkness, the people who are in that kingdom, for the most part, Don't know what they're in,
1: okay. So, in light of that clip, I've heard you talk about Satan's organizational chart. So, can you shed some light Uh, on such? I'm
2: gonna have to get the video from you because that guy's that was a very powerful. I mean, I'd heard the you know, I'd heard the, the Ephesians in a different translation, and and I don't know the provenance of that one, but that one makes so much sense what he just said, you know. I Cliff High. I taught. He's he's an interesting guy, and I'd gotten to be friends with him a little bit. And I I was talking to him one day, and he was talking about his grandmother or great grandmother who was a Cathar, and the Cathar were Christians of a different flavor, and they did not believe in churches because they had this principle. They said if there's a building, there's an organization, and if there's an organization, you've lost your freedom. And I think that's what he's saying in a different. He's saying and that that Satan has to have this organization of, I mean, that's a beautiful domination. If you're dealing with somebody that's dominating, you're in the presence of, of a satanic force. How simple is that to understand? I mean, I'll tell you, honestly, I'll, I'll bear my soul here that, you know, I grew up as a kid in a small town where, my, my parents were wonderful people that were both, I mean, nurse and a doctor and they took care of people and I never saw them do bad things at all in my life, but they weren't church people. They never went to church. I went to church with my neighbors and friends because that's what you did in a small town in Iowa. And I you know went to Bible school. And so I had all the teachings, but then as so many people do, I went off to college and I went off and got science indoctrinated and went on. And i never really picked up a Bible or went to church in the intermeaning times. And then, COVID starts hitting. Now, it's not that I didn't believe in God. And it's not that I didn't, you know, believe that God interceded in the lives of men, but that I, but I I just said, I don't understand this stuff. But what I, what I recognized right away that I thought, I mean, I couldn't miss, um, you know, I guess maybe God tapped me on the shoulder, but I just said, you know, here's looking out at this, you know, how can you not miss the seeing of Satan in the street, trying to kill your children? You know, I mean, I'm a mother and I just saw this happening and I said that this is abject evil uh, on every front here. I mean, from the time I realized this was a bioweapon to whatever this vaccine turned out to be. um, You know, I just said, this is really evil. How can we be doing this? How can you have churches that are putting in vaccine stations? What is going on here? And I think that he has just really that that alone, that video says more than i can even possibly say but i think that that is the point is that we are we are up against an organization that is so much beyond what we can conceive you know people i think a, a my my experience having grown up in the christian church my experience was they give you a sense of christ but they and and that may stick or not but they what they never really give you is a at least i never got was a real belief in the physical reality of satan that it was a concept, it was more like a metaphor. Well, I don't believe that anymore. I mean, it's very real and it's affecting us in so many ways. And I I think every time, you know, when we're talking, whatever we're talking about, it it comes back to the same group of, of beliefs, okay? It may not be one group of people that's doing this, but the group of people that are doing this come from this belief structure and and am i able to share something here i'll just show you something because we were going to talk about ukraine i just want to show this point you know people people say that they're confused about things about what they should believe and and who they should whom whom they should believe here's here's the symbol of ukraine that thing he's got on his chest and it's the ukrainian crest but look at the the, that the Ukraine was once Khazaria. That's the partially; it's kind of overlapping. But the the, the Khazarian Empire was there, and that that symbol is the symbol of the Khazarian Empire. They were driven out because in 1150, the Russians and the Persians and the Bulgarians couldn't deal with the fact that they were still sacrificing children to Moloch. That is the sigil of Moloch, the god of child sacrifice, otherwise known as Bahal, goes by many names. This is what we're dealing with. We really are dealing with this, and um. And, and that's, that's hard. That's that. If anybody, if I, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have understood this. And it's not just me awakening. This is one of the parts of, you know, the apocalypse means the great unveiling. And I think that's what we are in. We are, our eyes are being opened on multiple, multiple levels, and it's certainly spiritual. And that's why, you know, Stella Emanuel, uh, who was, who came out very early and said, you know, you have to, this is a spiritual war and you have to fight it spiritually. And she talks about, you know, being a, being a prayer warrior, being a spiritual warrior. It's really true. I think that the, um, I've heard it said recently, uh, I think um, Celeste Solem is a friend of mine who goes to all these DARPA meetings. And she, I wish I could remember the name of the book. I wrote it down somewhere, but it's a, I'm going to buy it. It's on Amazon. It's a prayer book. That is a prayer against this the uh, the the nanotechnology that's in these vaccines. The the one of the things whatever we know we don't know about is there's stuff in the, there that is made to communicate with the outside world. It sure seems like it. When you look at these vaccines, there's stuff in there that looks like it's right out of the MIT super soldier. Um, uh, thing where they have carbon tubules and they've got all this kind of stuff. And, you know, what Charles Lieber, the nanotechnology he was working on at Harvard, that does appear, this stuff appears to be in there. And what what the point though is, is that you, ha- you have authority over yourself and you have the ability to repent and to say things. And she believes that prayer works against this stuff and you have to say it out loud. I mean, I, again i would not have i would not have believed this 10 years ago but i believe now exactly what he's saying that we we don't understand who we're up against if we think we're up against pfizer it's not pfizer nope. that there's there's a there's a people there's people or things or spiritual th- beings above pfizer that are controlling this show and it's an evil enterprise beyond what we can what we can fathom but satan's real and and this is this is our time to save the children and the next generations, because they're coming after our children and everything they've been setting up. If you really look back at time, this didn't start in obviously in 2019. This started 50. It started at least at World War II and probably way back before that. The ability to get our children away from us, to make them more susceptible, and they're they're the prime targets here all over the world, and specifically in the English-speaking countries, I would say, but all over the world.
1: Well, I, I agree. I, I was not aware, you know, I had the same background as you relative to Satan. You know, it was a concept,
5: but no. it, has,
1: it has become real. It has been one of the main things that God has opened my eyes to since since grace has been gone. You know, and then, you know, one of his tactics is the the use of dialectic. So bring up uh, the time man of the year picture, Don. So this is what they, this is what they do. I'll wait for Don to bring that up. All right, so oh my gosh. yeah, <laughs> I know, but this is this is what they've got our population believing that this guy is a good guy. And well, we, and, and you- We, are, and then,
2: go ahead. Well, I was gonna say Ukraine is the center has been the center for many years of body parts, harvesting and child sex trafficking, child trafficking, human trafficking, you know, they, that, it's not just about money laundering people. That's just the, that was the clean, that was the clean explanation. That was the easy, right? That was a right. clean yeah. explanation. There's a lot more to this. And um, you know, I, I went to a GOP meeting, and there was a there was a somebody that stood up and gave a prayer. This is about six months ago. Gave a prayer to the poor victims and to the Ukrainians. And I wanted to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa! I just I just wanted to leave because I said, look, you need to at least get the facts right. You know, if you look at what the Russians when they go in the Russia Russia has been a Christian Orthodox nation since 850, with the exception of the period of the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks are the people that are behind this. It's the same group of people with the same satanic beliefs that you you take people through a series of atheism to get them to the worship of these satanic gods. And we should have, you know, we didn't pick up on that fact, but that's been going on for a long time over in Ukraine. It's coming now to America and and we need to recognize what's happening. You know, in America we had the every city now And they want to put a thousand of these out in cities all over the world. But in America, in New York City, they have the they have the 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 uh, life size reproduction of the arch of Baha, which is Moloch, the the god of child sacrifice. And in ancient Palmyra, what you did is you had to walk through this arch with your child to sacrifice it to the to this brass monster, you know, statue thing of Moloch so that it would or Baha' so you the child would burn on this fiery thing. It's a it's a horrible thing to discuss, but people need to realize this is what and that's what they were. It was one way in, one way out. You had to go in under this there's some I, I don't understand all the symbolism, but you had to go under the arch, you had to sacrifice your child, then you come out. Okay. We've got one in New York City. Oh, uh, there okay. was a rabbi that tried to scream about this and say if we keep this, if we let this stand, we are going to get what we get and, and look what's happened to happening to America. You know, this is not, why did they shut the churches down? You couldn't sing. Let's, let's, let's think about that. Is there a medical reason that you can't sing? (laughs) Okay. Because the voices of spiritual people singing praises of God counteract some of this and they don't want that, but they were out there. You can guarantee, we saw pictures of some of the, the satanic stuff they were doing on the steps of the Capitol when everybody else was shut down. OK, what did what did Nancy Pelosi say during January 6th? Then I, you know, one of the things that she said after she claimed she called the Capitol the temple. There was a blood sacrifice, the girl that was shot. And there was a guy in the bullhorns, which is a symbol of Saturn or Apollyon, the, the Satan of the pit. And she said they have violated the the I think her exact words were something like they have violated the 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 sanct, the the temple. Meaning that the capital building—that's she made. That this is a—they're—they're they're doing their their magic ceremonies, and they don't want Christians to meet in the churches. You know, they didn't shut down their—they didn't—they didn't go out and look for satanic temples to shut down. Um, they looked for you know that pastor up in Canada who was kicked him out on Easter and went to jail. And what, what happened to him? Horrible. Well, that's what's happening now. The Orthodox priests in Ukraine are having their ankles shackled. They're having their, if they speak, if it's a Russian Orthodox church, they have all their icons thrown out. They, they shut down the churches. But under Putin, who's considered a thug in the West, 30,000 Orthodox churches have been stood up. OK, they to, after the, Bol- the Bolsheviks are gone. Those of us in my generation that fought the Cold War, we need to get our mindsets out of that. This is a spiritual war, and the nexus of it is this Ukrainian-Russian war, which is the kinetic and the spiritual war all mixed together. But don't be deceived. At some point, you got to choose sides here. About uh, not that there's any choir boys necessarily in this whole thing, but you got to you can't you can't win as a choir boy right now. Sometimes you got to fight. I hope it doesn't come over here, but you got to pick the right side sometimes.
1: Well, that's where the dialectic piece comes right. in because, you know, we obviously know Zelensky is bad, but Putin's also bad. But then it's the lesser of two evils, which is Satan's primary tool of getting us off. It's, gets us off track to what's going on, which is the spiritual battle. I want to do a short clip to introduce people to this concept of. Uh, child trafficking, child sacrifice. I mean, you, you broached it, but this this lady, you can look, this clip will be in the show notes. So you can go back and listen to the whole thing. It's it's extremely good. She was a former witch, Jessie Zabotar. So, Don, wow. can you play, play this clip, please?
5: We want to protect children. We want to keep them safe. But we have a system that is set on using children only as assets for their gain and for their purposes. And so, you know, they, as people started to notice, you know, hey, what's going on in my community? All of a sudden I have all these kids from my community missing. They would make up these programs that, you know, were under the guise of helping um, communities and children, but really they weren't focused on helping. You know, so things like the Clinton Foundation were begun, things like Amber Alert, uh, even the milk carton faces on or the faces of children on milk cartons, uh, the faces of children up on Walmart uh, that say, you know, they're missing and and tells you what they should look like, um, you know, and if you see them, who you contact. Um, This type of system did not free or help, you know, many children. What it did was it enabled the system to keep track of the children, especially those that tried to run or get out of those programs.
2: That's that's exactly right. And You know, look at Disney, look at all these, you know, Willie Sutton was the bank robber, right? And the famous line that Willie Sutton was asked one time, Willie, why do you rob banks? He says, that's where the money is. (laughs) So unfortunately, what she's describing is, and this is essentially what they just, what they, you know, you, you can't get This is why, think about some of the people. They've investigated Mother Teresa's organization for child trafficking, and I believe that's true. It's a hard pill when you're Catholic to realize this is where your money's been going, but we have to wake up to this. Child Protective Services has lost so many children, and they are now taking, they're now at the next stage of not just losing those orphans, they're taking your children, and because they're claiming that you're abusing them by doing something in the home, and sometimes there is abuse. I'm I'm not denying that there's sometimes parental abuse of children, but now they're taking children for other reasons that they're claiming is this and they're running them through the system, putting them in foster homes and they disappear. And that's not, that's what's happening here. This is, they're going where the money is. You know, I had a, I don't know, I don't know if you have time, but I have a funny little, I. I, I was a math major in college and I, so I I'm kind of thinking in diagrams and I'm trying to put together the pieces here and I'm trying to, and, and I started, I made a little, I don't have a whiteboard, but I made it on a chalkboard and, and it's just, it's like, you know, about Venn diagrams or these circles that interact. Okay. How do they, you know, some, everything's a set theory and there's, there's like, there's certain numbers that are in both sets and the, well, anyway, how does Disney fit together with scientific publishing in Britain? That was my question. How do these, you know, this is a weird thing, but how do you, if you took look, because I'm convinced, like you said, if you look at the world of anything of these organizations, it's, it's just an overlay of evil on the whole world. And it's all related, all the child trafficking's all over the world, but how do, but you could just start at any two points. So I started with Disney and I started with, with scientific publishing in England. And it turns out after world war II, uh, Uh, it was actually Alexander Fleming who discovered penicillin and the grandson of Charles Darwin. They went to the British government. They said, hey, we think that our publishing house, I'm blanking on the name of their publishing house at the time, but isn't adequate to deal with the science that's taken place and that would have helped us in the war and things. We need to have a more robust scientific publishing house. So the British government said, well, we agree with you. And they hired, so they set up, now they took the German publishing house. They married it with the British and they made this new big, I think it's Springer Verlag. I think that's where Springer Verlag came from, but it's the biggest is a huge publishing house for scientific and medical journals and things like that. But guess who they got to run it. Okay. He was a former spy for the British during world war two, Robert Maxwell. Okay. Robert Maxwell. How does he fit into this? Well, um, Robert Maxwell is Ghislaine Maxwell's father. Not only was he a British agent, but he's a Mossad. He was a Mossad agent. He's married on the house. He's on the house. of now-, now, how does this fit with Disney every time there's, uh, so there's Disney and Robert, or what's his name? Bob Iger. I think it's the first name is Bob, but Iger, he was the CEO. I think he's gone now, but he was the CEO of Disney for a long time. Mm-hmm. His son is named Robert Maxwell Iger because Robert Maxwell and he were good friends. Now we a lot has come out about Disney and all the sexual innuendo of his of his of his stuff and all the stuff, but also keep in mind how does this play when in the Broward County Sheriff says the other day, he says, Yeah, we got another pedophile case down here, another pedophile ring that we broke, and a bunch of people are in Disney. It wouldn't be a good pedophile case if we weren't involving the Disney organization. Because again, where did they wh- why Disney? Where do the children you know, that's the Willie Sutton it's theory. The where children, are the children? Yeah. Where do they, so, so they've got these things. So, so now we've got Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell. We've got the interlacing, interlapping between, you know, the, putting out propaganda with Disney and putting out, putting out scientific propaganda, all these people are playing. Then you've got, you add the CIA in here. They've been in Ukraine ever since world war two, they've been part of this child trafficking body part harvesting in Ukraine. Um, you know, the, what does what does uh the the um uh then ghislaine maxwell with uh jeffrey epstein jeffrey epstein actually part of the disney cruises would do a thing to saint james island or the island next to saint james so they were they probably were involved in that that island hopping thing with the children too (laughs) who knows but but it gets it just gets creepy and you just can keep going and going and these things all fit together so jeffrey epstein the child trafficker was funding money from Bill Gates to MIT to do research. MIT famously does stuff on the, for the, for the dark arts, for the, for the military DARPA and things like that. And so they're all in, and that's through CIA and all this. I mean, they're all in this together. It all, everybody. And one of the common threads through all of this is pedophilia. Yes, that sir. is, that is a big body parts and children are the biggest money in the world. You know, one bot, and, and this is what they didn't tell you in The Sound of Freedom is, is that at the end game, when they're done using these children in sex trafficking, they're parted out. And that is the exact truth. And it's $150,000 in organ. You know, maybe in, they're doing it in China. Um, the Uyghurs, the, the Christians, the Falun Gong. There, the good news in all this is I think somebody's getting it to stop. Mitch Gerber, who's an expert and lived on the Chinese border for decades, said the hospitals for doing these transplants are sitting empty now. That's the that's the crisis of economic crisis that's happening in China, these hospitals. So somebody seems to be stopping the system. So I think that we're in the background. Somebody's winning and it's not these bad guys. God's God's not going to let this go on much longer, I don't think. Well,
1: I don't either. I mean, we're going to end up talking about God's timeline at the end, Uh, and you know, I'm not a prophet, but I we can talk a little bit about prophecy right now because I want to have you uh, take the idea of Satan's use of predictive programming. So you mentioned that with the Olympics in 2012, a predictive programming clip from The Simpsons from 2010. The show oh, wow. covid crisis but then i just want your your opinion what do you think is coming next after we listen to this sure. clip? So go ahead dan america's media empires we're here to come up with the next phony baloney crisis to put americans back where they belong In dark rooms glued to their televisions too terrified to skip the commercials
4: well i think
1: nbc you are here to listen and not speak i think we should go with a good old-fashioned public health scare uh, yeah.
2: a new disease no one's immune It's like the summer of the shark, except instead of a shark, it's an epidemic. And instead of summer, it's all the time. That is public. Now, I hate to be the guy who derails what everybody else loves. He loves being that guy. But, Janice, we do
3: have standards. This can't be a made-up disease. The only moral thing to do is release a deadly virus into the general public.
1: We do have something we've been holding on to,
4: but it hasn't been tested. Get over here, NBC. Uh, well, we
0: certainly believe in testing, but I, oh. oh. Wow. wow, wow, oh yeah.
5: So, we've got our deadly disease.
3: We have to burn everything the cat touched before the virus makes us paranoid!
0: Homer! Stop burning! They have a vaccine!
1: All right, we'll get the vaccine.
2: Don't worry, people. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, The Simpsons. (laughs) Who are The Simpsons? I mean, it's not just about this. They know everything 10 years before the reality comes (laughs) out.
1: It's funny to watch that, but it's serious at the same time. So. I mean, I don't know if you have your pulse on the current predictive programming, but I am curious to hear your perspective because of of how well informed you are as to what do you think is coming next.
2: Well, I think we've already been seeing some of their attempts. You know, they 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 the, and this is their attempt is to get you scared about another disease, and that's kind of what they're showing you there. And, you know, remember monkeypox? They came out and they said, oh, that's oh, monkeypox. And then that kind of fizzled out. Then they wanted you to get scared about warbirds and that fizzled out. And then now there's going to be malaria. Oh, the malaria is coming on Florida. Really? 20 years we haven't had a malaria case. And suddenly we've got all these malaria cases. So here's what I'm going to say. They're going to try and scare you with... I, I, the, the good news is I really think these people don't understand that they are... They, can, they don't have the power they think they have. You know... If they had, first of all, if these guys really wanted to depopulate the world and they had weaponry, like directed energy weaponry at their fingers, nuclear weapons that they could push, it would have been done. They don't. They're not in control of as much as they want us to believe they are. I think that's number one. It's like if, if Biden had the real full control of the military, he'd have them over in Ukraine, you know, fully engaged. And they're not. We have some people, but it's all like it's kind of like advisor kind of stuff. So. There's that. I think the other thing that they don't want you to realize is they can't make you as sick as they would like. I mean, they've tried. I, I followed the bioweapons things for a long time. And, you know, they tried all these aerosols. You know, you can read uh, kind of John L. Bekoff's book. Um, uh, what's the contagion? I think is what it's called. But anyway, he was from, he was from, from uh, the Bill Preparat in Russia and the Soviet Union, and he was the number two guy. And they tried for decades to do. They made had big vats, and they made all this aerosolizable stuff, and they had they had you know nuclear warhead type things to, to deliver it. But really, it just didn't quite pan out. They never could make it. It was hard. It was very hard to do, and so they went to arthropod diseases, meaning insect vectors. That's what they were working on when the Soviet Union fell apart, insect vectors. And that's what you see our guys working on. That's this whole malaria thing. Suddenly we have mosquitoes with malaria and they had Zika virus in Brazil. And they have got just back, backtrack and don't be afraid. What I'm going to tell people is if even AIDS, okay, look at AIDS fizzled out. I mean, they've tried, they've tried injecting us. If they just leave us alone, we heal. We get rid of this stuff million, you know, (laughs) millions of people over many, many eons before we got to uh, us did not have doctors, did not have all this modern medicine and we didn't get wiped out. So they're not going to be able to wipe us out. This is not possible, but they can do it with fear. They're just going to make you afraid. And this is why I think it is so important that we realize the lie of viruses. You see, there's no evidence of transmission of airborne viruses. That is a lie. Now, what is real is parasites and toxins and all those things we're talking about. Electromagnetic, that is real. The electromagnetic problem is real, the wavelength problem, but not not these little funky diseases they want you to believe. Monkeypox, what that was, that is you destroy somebody's immune system and the gay community has a bad habit of just believing everything that the government tells them. They took the vitamin, they took the hepatitis B shot and six months later they got AIDS. Then when they got, then when they got, they got HIV and some of them went on to AIDS, they, they were given AZT, which made it worse. You know, it's just, they, they don't, they always listen to the government people. It turns out that monkeypox is just simply, they took a bunch of vaccines, they took the boosters, and so they've already had an Im- immune system that's compromised. They take stuff that damages your immune system and they get blebs on their skin. That's sh- That kind of like blistering, kind of smallpox kind of stuff, that is your body trying to get rid of toxins that they can't get rid of any other way. And it's a last ditch effort. Okay, so that's not a good sign, but it's not, if they, we would just leave people alone and not keep injecting them with this toxins, they will get better assuming they do other things to, you know, make their immune system better. So I think they're going to try that. And I I don't think it's going to work unless people are silly enough to believe them again. You know, the masks made it worse. We tried to tell them that masks you withhold CO2, it makes it worse. So they're trying it. The biggest problem is what they're doing up here. And I I think that's what yeah. they're really I think what this is really about is transhumanism is they really want to inject us with things that hook us up to the Borg. If you look at, if you look at, you know, I've been, I watch all these, now I watch things like I went back and watched the matrix series. I watched Westworld. I watched, and, and I'll tell you what, what, what you keep hearing among all of this is several themes. One of the themes is there are people that look like us, walk like us, talk like us, but are not us. That gives you an idea right. of either demonic possession, uh, the vril. We hear about the vril, the worm that gets into you and makes you into a different species. I mean, who knows? But that is a theme in the in the in the movies in Hollywood. And another, another yeah, one is that we are that there are, you know, uh, like cyborg like people, like in Westworld or or Star uh, the Galactica series, um, we live or they live. It's called where they are actually kind of robotic semi like the Borg and that we will be assimilated into the Borg. Now, I think that is really where they think they're going with this. They're gonna murder a bunch of people and the people that they want, they'll put into this hive mind. That's what they they want. And and to do that though, they've got to, they're coming after our food supply and there's no question about that. And they're coming after our um, our, our, our land. What we yeah. cannot allow, we cannot allow ourselves to go into 15 minute cities and we can't take any more injections. I think yeah. if we don't do that, and we don't participate in their evil, just don't let them use your hands to do evil. This goes away. I think we even are maybe winning against some of this chem trailing. Um, I think electroculture, there's so much, the good news is there's so much stuff we're learning about how the way can we can improve our lives locally. And I, and I think that that's the way out of it, but I, I think they're going to try and hook us up to things. is our, my bet.
1: Yeah. Boy, you, again, you said a mouthful. I've got lots of things running through my head about that. It it actually leads well into my final question. Uh, so I, I want to, I want to talk through the, what we'll call the way out of this. And I want to do that, um, in maybe a, a little bit different way. First, I'll comment about the AI because when I look back at biblical history, you know, why did God bring the flood? Calling evil good and good evil. It's happening today. But he he had to bring the flood to end things because the bloodlines were corrupt. And so the Nephilim had. Had corrupted the bloodline, so the Savior couldn't come unless God stopped it. And the AI is on that same, really, on that same trajectory. So where we're at in God's timeline, you know, that is not my deal. In fact, I have purposely steered away from eschatology because I think it's a dialectic. However, what I am seeing, you know, again, I'm just newly awake to this. You know, my my degree is DAD. I don't have anything. You know, that's a big God, degree. <laughs> I you know Grace's death has woken me up to a lot of things. So when I look at this from a macro view, I see what did what happened in the garden? So Genesis 3, what happened? And what happened in the garden is Satan offered the tree of knowledge and that was in complete opposition to the tree of life that God offered. So now we had Uh, wisdom, which God offered through the tree of life, competing with the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. But it really wasn't the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's how everybody thinks about it. But it was the tree of the knowledge of evil and less evil. And so now as I frame that conversation, that means that the evil, you know, we've been talking a lot about evil and God showed me with Grace's story. Don't use it for Satan's benefits, God. And what he's talking about there is that if I only use Grace's story to show the evil without showing God's way, the gospel, all I did was play into Satan's plan. Satan's got to have evil exposed if he's going to have the ability to reinvent himself as the savior, small s, angel of light. And what I see most people doing right now is is talking about this path out of here but they don't include repentance so if repentance is missing i see it as as satan's angel of light side and i'm going to play a clip here uh that would that just was from a couple of weeks ago an interview that mike adams had with dr ed group and it's just a couple minutes long but it it really lays out this side that is being promoted that i i can't wrap my head around because it seems like it's satan's angel of light side to me so go ahead don play that clip and then we'll get dr merits
3: there comment. are a lot of people waking up which is a great thing and that's what i'm saying this is great times that we're going through there's two ways to view it you can view it as destructive and negative or you can view it as very positive and every time we've had a, a shift a great awakening you have to go through a lot of pain and trauma and suffering. It's just like interviewing addicts that have have been clean for 10 years, but have spent 20 years in multiple rehab centers. And I've said, well, what was it? What was it that finally broke that? And, 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 And you've been clean for 10 years, something had to happen. Every single time they said, I had to hit rock bottom. Huh. I had to I had to lose everything. I lost my wife, I lost my kids. I had to go through the most pain, the most trauma, the most suffering that I've ever gone through in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And then it just clicked and I've never touched that again. That's what we're going through right now, folks. We're going I'm through not for everybody. You know, people like us, we've already become awakened, but there's a good there's 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 the awakened at the top. Then there's the people in the middle, and then there's the people at the bottom that will never, those are the ones that watch CNN every day, and those are the ones that are just gonna run out for every single bioweapon. That's their destiny, that's their destiny. Maybe some of them are gonna wake up and come, but right now there's a huge demand for the people in the middle that are becoming awake, that need us, that are just waking up to this, that are just beginning their journey in this great awakening. And, and it's up to us because we all feel like we've been put on this planet to do exactly what we're doing right now. That's right, yeah. To help hold the hands of the people in need and to walk them through and to educate them in, to the path of enlightenment for this great awakening that's happening right now. Yes, there's going to be lots of death and yes, there's going to be lots of destruction. But at the same time, this is, this is what we need because the whole world has been addicted and zombified. (laughs) No kidding. The only thing that's going to awake them is to shake them up and to to have them actually go through the pain and the trauma and the suffering. Shake them.
1: So um, that seems to be the spirit that I see happening pretty consistently. And I see the consistent theme, which I'm bringing up here, is there's no... Thought of repentance. How we got here is rejecting rejecting God, and so the only path out. It isn't that that we can't do something. I don't. I'm not against that, of course. But if we don't acknowledge how we got here through repentance, I don't see how any of this has a fighting chance. And in fact, it plays well, can, into Satan's other hand.
2: Yeah, I can see. I can see the point there. Now, I do know Doctor Group, and I and I got to say, I think everybody. Uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and say that I think people speak at their own level. You know, in other words, what he's talking about, it is true in medicine. We see exactly what he's talking about when you deal with the addicts and that, and that's who he deals with. So in all fairness, his point is, is that just like you experienced a death in order to wake you up. I think that's really what he's talking about. I don't think he's yes. denying the other. He just was making the point. I think, I think that's what he's doing. He's making the point about that through suffering, we come out the other side if we're open to understanding. And he's saying there are some people that are not open to it. And I think those are the people that are never going to accept that there's anything more than this world and that this is just bad luck happening to them, and they didn't take enough government regulations. And if we could, these are the people that think that they're smarter than we are, that they could just, that they can engineer the world. You know, this is, this is the, and this is what I think about the idea that they are, they think they can do more than they could. These are this, the, the kind of self-engrandizing ideas that I'm just so much smarter than everybody that I can figure this out. You can't figure this out. Just let us rule the world we'll make this okay. We'll, this is technocracy. We'll engineer the world and we'll make it a lot better. No, let us do it. We'll live our lives and we'll work through God and it'll be okay. That there's just a lot of, I think there are a lot of people that are not willing. It's funny. I had a friend of mine that I've known for decades and he says to me, I've heard one of your talks and I think you've had a religious conversion. And I said, well, it's interesting. I said, no, I think I'm just talking the words now. The words are coming out of my mouth. And I think that when you are, when you haven't been in the church, when you haven't been spiritually awakened in, in, the, in that, that real sense, that you might believe, but you don't speak it. You know, you're not quite at that point of speaking those words. I just think that's kind of maybe what we're seeing there. But but I think you're right. I think ultimately we have to realize, because there does, it, at some point, I mean, I'm sure you have, and I, I think all of us have come to a point in our lives more than once where you just have to put things in God's hands and say... You know, I know you're out there and I know I can't do this. And I and I, I I just surrender to the inevitable, whatever is supposed to be, whatever you do. And I think that happens. But I don't think everybody, you know, it's it's a it's a different journey for different people. And I, I think it's it's hard for the, the science based guys who were, you know, told that they were they had the answers to suddenly start speaking those words that we're not we're not the most powerful people on this planet. And, and it's also, like I say, it's hard for people to really grasp that Satan is real, that there are, that there are that, that I'm going to tell you that video you played is very powerful. It's kind of like the, it's like the people, look at the people that didn't really believe in child trafficking. You can say the words to them all the time, but then they go to that movie and they see it in the way that it's not graphic. It's not gory, but they get it. And that's, that's a, you know, I think that's happening at all levels. And it just, but you're right and i think that's when i not only do i think that you have to repent but i think you're going to have to say it out loud and that is what it's that's the next step is saying it out loud that if you know if that i i can't do this alone or i did this wrong i need help i you know
1: yeah Oh, no, that's uh so. that that's right you know was, i'm i'm waking up You know, you said this multiple times. Everything that we've been told is a lie. You know, the the thing that I had bought into for a long time is that we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh You know, that is uh, that's a psyop. Yeah, that's a psyop that's much larger than co-op, or not co-op. That's much larger than COVID. Uh, You know, know, and the larger psyop that I'm you know I'm I'm learning about right now is that Satan has an evil side and a less evil side. And this angel of light side is, is uh, it's a big deal. I have a, a graphic I found from somebody else's presentation that I, I gave to Don. So can you just show that graphic, Don, the lesser of two evils? You know, <laughs> we're, we're told to not be... You know, we're in the world, but not of the world if we're one of God's. And, you know, this graphic really showed it to me because, you know, they're pitching this evil great reset, but then at the same time, Satan is pitching, oh, I, we, we can, we have a way out of this. And if that way out of it doesn't include repentance, it, uh, it means we're going to be deeper into it. And it, it, you know, our propensity is security and comfort. And that is, um, that's what got us. You think I'll oh, go back to nine eleven? Why did we give up all of our rights to privacy with nine eleven? It's because of security and comfort. So, uh,
2: yeah,
1: I have a quick question for you before I wrap up, and that it has nothing to do with anything other than I'm just curious. What do you think about RFK Jr. running?
2: Boy, that is a that is a real tough one, isn't it? Because he's all the things you know. Well. Uh, let me just, i I hear, I'm going to answer it like this. I think it's a subset of the play we're watching. I think it's just a new chapter. L- did you see the picture? Because if you believe he's, this is real and it's all spontaneous. And he just one day woke up and said, I'm going to run. Uh, no, I don't think so. There's too much that seems to be scripted in the world right now. In my opinion, this is just mm-hmm. my opinion. I can't prove any of this. Okay. I'm not, you know, and yes, I have my, I was given this at a, I was given this at a meeting, so I'll bring it out. But I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, you can get criticized for being too much on the the Q side. But I do think number one, I think if, if if we weren't if we're the fact that we're still here says that there's somebody in the background with big weapons that are protecting us. Now it might. I don't think it's. I mean, God has to work through somebody on this earth. I think so. I, I I'm. What I'm saying is, is that. Given the age of scalar weaponry and nuclear weaponry and all the stuff that's out there, this isn't like the, the 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 age of colonial America where we could defend themselves ourselves and we had weapons that were the equivalent of the British attacking us. That's that those days are gone. So the fact that we're still standing, as much as we are, says to me there's somebody putting a damper on the use of those kind of weapons against us having said that too, I, I think that look at the picture that just came out. I just saw it this morning and maybe it's been out for a while of Joe Biden on a beach. He's on a public beach in a, like a a, a recliner. Nobody's around him. No secret service. He's, he's walking around in his baggy shorts, you know, sloughing around, <laughs> you know, is this really real? I mean, it, it's, it's in fact, I, I thought this a while ago. I said, How can it be that the Democrat Party, which is generally the party that is very slick, much more slick than the Republicans on actually doing campaigning and getting people to get elected? They're really good at that. And they've done absolutely everything stupid when it came to this. I mean, it it just can't be right. (laughs) I just don't think so. So I think there's I think we're watching a play and there's whatever the reality is here. I'm gonna do my my part of the world. I just figure I can't figure that out. My part of the world is not to do evil and is to try and help people recover from evil. That's that's kind of what, and we have to do it locally. We have to start with ourselves, our families, our communities, our counties. And I don't know that we can affect much more than that. Uh, I don't even think I can affect the state, but here's the good news. My great grandfather, when he homesteaded this area, it was 1871, he came out early. There was no federal government that got in his way. There was not even a state government that got in his way. In fact, when he got married, he didn't get a marriage license because there was no courthouse. Okay, there was nothing. It was just these people. And I think we're going to get back to something like that. It's not going to be. I think when this is all done, we are not going to see a world the way we may have nation states, but it's not going to be the way we've been existing. Something's going to change because we don't have a nation state now in America. We are not they're not there. You know, DC is, looks like an abandoned in a way. There's some things that make me think it's kind of an abandoned, you know, the federal reserve is closed. That's all this junk in the front yard. That's all this building stuff. They've taken the signs down. I mean, it doesn't look to me like it's being remodeled, just normal remodeled. You don't take all the signs down. You don't shut the whole building. You do it in a reasonable way. And the reflecting pool, my friend was out there for CPAC. He said the reflecting pool was, was was gutted. I mean, it was like empty and smelly. It wasn't like this was routine maintenance. It was like it's been deserted, and that was his. Something is going on that we don't know. And I'm just, I, I, I'm just can do what I can do. I guess I'm gonna say. Well,
1: I think that's, I think that's excellent. I'll, uh, I'm gonna uh, wrap things up and then come back to you for the final word. And I'll just to uh, close on what you said about uh, you're really talking about politics and. You know, I, I have learned politics, I, I've followed politics my whole life, I've voted conservative my whole life, but not anymore. And <laughs> it's not because I'm going to vote liberal, that's not the point, but it is the lesser of two evils. And if we participate in the world system of the lesser of two evils, we're going against what God is, God, only God is good. That system is corrupt by definition, so we shouldn't be participating. And what you said is true. What can you What can you do? What are What are you called to do? And you are called to tell the truth to your neighbors, your friends, your family. Uh, you're called to share the gospel so that they can deal with evil, and then possibly get involved with local government. That's about it. And if God's timeline is to get us through this because we've repented and we're going to start over, it it is of course gonna look completely different. Uh, So, you know, the the thing that is not a PSYOP is that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again on the third day so that those who believe in him will be reconciled to the Father and have eternal life. And repentance is a result of coming to grips with what Jesus did on the cross. And the current solutions offered by um, the anti-establishment crowd are a diversion off of that focus. And they're not the way out. The only way out is through repentance. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And it is critical that we don't fall trapped to the next level solutions that prey on our desire for security and comfort, especially as things get worse. And that ramps up our uh, desire to rely on fear in ourself. And then finally, something we didn't talk about, but it is running rampant is don't get caught in the unity principle that's being uh, preached on the pulpits today, because they are quickly focusing on that as the only principle. And if you remember history, you'll know that the Jewish leaders and the Christian pastors in World War II are the ones that led the Jews to the gas chambers, not literally, but because they didn't preach the truth. And the churches that are not preaching the truth relative to sin are also leading us to the gas chambers. And Jesus said, "'I have not come to bring peace, but a sword.'" Jesus has always called his followers to not fall for what the world offers. And that's my closing comment. And the last word goes to you, Dr. Merritt.
2: Well, I think, you know, God is love and they want us to live in fear. That's the key point. You know, you have to get out everything. If we don't come out of whatever the solution is, if we don't come out of it with a spirit of love and that that we won't survive this you're right there's one way out of this and that's what i think christ said is is that we it's about love and 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 that's the most powerful emotion out there and it's a it's an energy of itself and their energy is an evil energy and it's it's all the bad things that are happening in this world and i think we can we can overcome that we just have to we have to not wallow i i see your point we we don't want to wallow in all the it's not all, we can't just be doom and gloom. We have to have, we have to see the way out. And
1: yeah. I, you know, I learned uh, love uh, at first as an emotion. Then I learned it was a choice. And then I learned that the only way to love the way God loves is to submit to his leading. And, you know, my daughter Grace taught me that, and I introduced today by showing Grace that her favorite scripture verse was First John 4, 8, which she abbreviated, God is love. And Grace showed God's love, you know, and of course it's very, it, it, the emotional love I had for her is, you know, it's fantastic. But real love can only be through getting to know him. And then you have all kinds of things that happen because of that love. And, you know, speaking truth to power is love. If you have God behind you. So thanks for coming today. This was thank you. Just what I was expecting. And you <laughs> you just you did a fantastic job. So thank you. If you just want to hang out for a minute, Don will close up and we can say goodbye. Sure, you. sure. Sure.
2: Thanks.